Hey, Bridgetown Church and any of you listening online, welcome to the Bridgetown Daily for Wednesday, June 3rd. John Mark Comer here, and on the other end of the phone is my friend Christian Dawson from up in Seattle. Hey, Christian. Hey, good to hear from Christian you. Christian and I, oh, it's so good to hear your voice, man. Christian and I have been in relationship for what, three years, Christian? How long? Two years? Yeah, it's been about three years now. Yeah, something like that. And uh, man, I just have so much love and respect for you. And most of you know Christian. You come down on a regular basis to lead worship or to teach at our church. And you're such a gift. And man, what a crazy week, right? And what a crazy month and what a crazy three months and what a crazy five years. And, uh, (laughs) you know, man, we're just all reeling from so many things, but in particular, just, I think our nation more, it feels like a historic moment. I don't know if it is, but it feels like a tipping point in our nation Mm -hmm. where we as an entire nation are waking up to the bold faced reality of systemic racism that we cannot turn a blind eye to anymore. You know, I thought of that Will Smith line a few weeks ago, racism isn't getting worse, it's getting filmed. And Mm -hmm. because of the digital reality, there's just, there's no way for people like myself to turn a blind eye anymore. And I'm grateful for what's coming to light and the potential for change and healing and justice. But man, it's sad that it takes something like this for people like me. And so, you know, the purpose of the Bridgetown Daily is not like an in-depth lecture series on biblical theology of race and justice. It's, you know, the goal of this little daily podcast is just to do everything we can as a pastoral team to ground people in the presence and peace of God. And I don't know about you, but I mean, for me, it's been really hard just to pray over the last week to you know what I mean? My mind is yeah. racing. My body is like, I'm sick to my stomach. And, I'm super you know, tense. I feel that. Yeah. And that's me as a white dude, you know? Mm. And so I just wanted to really have a conversation with you and, and just hopefully like get a little guidance from you. You know, you come at this conversation, you're a black man, you're a follower of Jesus and you're a pastor. And so like, I just wanted to kind of man, just ask you a few questions and, and really get a little guidance from you, pastoral guidance on how to pray in a week like this of lament. Mm. So, I mean, I guess to begin, how, how we have a good enough relationship, I can ask you, how are you, how are you feeling today? You know, the last few hours, the last few days. Yeah. Um, even to answer that, I, I, I feel a ton of different things. Um, a lot of the people listening to this don't know me super well. So I'll tell you a few things about myself. Cause, um, and I'm not, I'm not being asked to speak for all black people. I'm just sharing my experience. And so, um, right. but a few things about me. Yes. I'm African and I'm American. My mother is an immigrant from Ethiopia. My dad um, was born in Oakland and then raised, spent most of his life in Seattle. And so um, I grew up even in a multicultural uh like a city and area. I didn't grow up in a homogenous black community. I had my best friends were like Mexican and Filipino and white and I'd Russian and like um, Korean. Like, so I grew up in a really different world too. And, and I'm from the Pacific Northwest and from Seattle. Um, and as a follower of Jesus, like my, I think 
everything I'm feeling and everything I'm experiencing is also coming from those different lenses. So just to kind of give even space and grace for different uh, African-American and people to be able to know that I can't fully um, name their feelings, but I feel a couple different things. One with everything with, you know, George and Brianna and Ahmad, like I felt my, my initial reaction has just been sadness. Um, I, yeah, just, I can't believe I'm, I, I can, and I can't believe I'm, I'm watching this happen again. Um, and so quickly one after another, uh, I feel for like those, like, I, I can't imagine I have two brothers. So, um, that are younger than me and I can't imagine what, I know what I feel as a brother. I can't imagine what that must be like for their mother. I I, I can't imagine like what it, right. I've seen my mom's face even in these last weeks and heard her voice as we've talked about a little bit of this and my own grandmother. And so just that sadness. Um, and, you know, I feel anger at times, um, which I know in some circles, you know, of, of Christianity, anger has been villainized. I think um, right. anger is dangerous. We have to be careful with it to a degree, but also, you know, anger says something's wrong, you know? Right. Um, anger and in a lot of ways is just, you. yeah, it, it's naming, it's naming. Oh, something yeah. about the world is not right. Something yeah. about my world is not right. And so I've felt that, um, the last few days or not the last few days, a few days before I kind of felt numb, just being honest, like having yeah. a certain emotional capacity to have to, you know, think through all these things and process all these things over and over again. Um, can only do it so many times. Right. And then, you know, as, as a follower of Jesus and as a person who's just a little bit introspective, like that feeling of introspection of, you know, with everything I, every conversation I have with every post I make or thing I write or thing I say also like in checking my intentions constantly is exhausting too. It's something I want to make sure I do, but even going, what's my motivation here is, is a weird thing to kind of think about. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, um, two of the motions would be like fearful, uh, like, you know, fearful. I'm, I'm not married. I don't have kids, but I want to have kids one day. And I'm at the age where a lot of my close friends are having kids right now. And I think about the world they're, they're living in and the world I want to see for my friends, kids and for my kids one day. Right. Um, yet at the same time too, and I, I don't mean this, um, you know, just as the optimistic Christian, I just, I also feel really hopeful. Like I've had you know, in the last five days, I've basically lived on my phone. I've talked to people on the phone more in the last five or six days than I have in a long time, even with COVID. Yeah. And I've had, especially just because of the city I've lived in for the last 10 years, I moved from living in a way more multicultural part of Seattle 10 years ago to being in a very affluent, very white area, um, which really changed my life in so many ways. It changed the people who became my best friends, it also, it honestly changed the way I talk, the way I dress in a lot of ways. And that's a whole nother conversation. But I, I've, I've had the privilege though, of, of having a lot of white friends in these last years, and especially a lot of fr- white friends who are pastors. And I had so many good conversations, man. I've had mm. so many conversations that make me feel hopeful that, that make me feel like I'm heard, but not just heard as in a way of um, appeasing, you know, this moment, but actually people getting it and empathizing and relating. And, you know, um, you know, two different conversations I had both ended with, Hey, I'm going to talk to my kids tonight. Hmm. And for me, like that there, that's like, that's hopeful. 
like that, yeah. that stirs me and excites me. And, and really like, it's been energizing. It, it's so I'm oscillating man between sadness and anger, like numbness and introspection and fear and hope. And even, you know, some days being tired and it, it, it oscillates every day. Yeah. How do you process, you know, the pain and the injustice and even the feeling of powerlessness that we have at times, mm. like how do you change systems that are so entrenched, you know? Um, like how do you process that before God in prayer? Do you have a framework by which you process it or any, you know, any words of wisdom? Oh man. Um, yeah, how do I process prayer in this moment? How do I even handle and take all these feelings to God? You know, um, a year ago, was, and you know this, just we're friends, a year ago was one of the hardest years of my life. And it um, really forced me to have to grieve and lament in ways that I'd never done before. Right. And yeah, I remember chatting about that, I, having to learn how to grieve, you know? Oh, yeah. And I remember even a conversation we had, it's really stuck with me. We just said, you know, I, I, we were talking, how do I do grief well? And you're like, dude, grief is, it's not a checklist. It's, you just have to time and do it, uh, which goes against who I am as a person, my personality in so many ways. But, um, you know, one of the things I took away from 2019, which I've had to hold on to this year is that, you know, my feelings are a place that God is in. Hmm. And, um, you know, in, uh, Christian theology a lot, we talk about, you know, God being omnipresent and, um, you know, I, I always thought about that in terms of time, but I never really until last year considered it in terms of like space and even emotional space. And wow, I, I started to realize from this whole situation this past year that, you know, when I closed myself off to my anger, when I closed myself off last year, really to grief and to sadness, to frustration, to pain, in a lot of ways, I was closing myself off to the omnipresence of God because like that was a place that God was in and that was a place that God was trying to meet me. And I, I was just thinking, oh, anywhere I physically go, God is there. But I, I didn't realize even, too, that anywhere I emotionally go, God is there, too. Hmm. Wow. And so I, I'm not thankful for really what I went through, but I'm thankful for what it taught me this past year in that, you know, God is really in my emotions and I can meet him there. And I think in so many ways that is prayer. Like, God, I'm angry and you're with me. You know, I'm God, I'm sad. And you're with me and not just a God who's passive and sees it, but a God who understands outrage and a God who understands sadness. And, you know, I think Hebrews says that um, he's not an he's not unable to, to empathize with our weakness. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I just hold on to that. Like he's not aloof to pain because he's experienced it himself. And so part of what I've had to personally um, just remember every time I feel something, because my reaction of that I want to do is go, God wants me when I'm happy and God wants me when I've figured it out and I'm actually reacting going, no, no, no. God wants me right now where I'm at. And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it's, it's, that's kind of had to become the beginning place of, of what I figured out. Oh, that's prayer. You know, like prayer is me just going to God with whatever, as long as it's honest. And mm -hmm. even sometimes as long, even if I'm lying to God, I'm still going to him. Like that's even prayer, you know? Um, and so when, and so, yeah, in this moment, learning to start by just taking any emotion I'm feeling, confusion, anger, frustration, hope, and everything in between and, and walking that to God and with God, that's kind of had to, how I've had to start, um, start and even stay in prayer. 
Yeah. Yeah, man. Makes me think of that line, you know, I don't know who said it first, but prayer isn't a place to be good. It's a place to be honest. Right. And, you know, just like you a year ago, we're learning how to grieve. I think we over the last few years have been as a church learning like the practice of lament, you know, Mm. like grief in the way of Jesus isn't just an idea or an emotion. It's a spiritual discipline, Mm. you know? And so I think we're in that moment right now as a church, as a city, as a nation of lament. I love the NT right line, you know, lament is how you pray when your prayers are unanswered. But Mm, I love what you're saying. And I, I pray that you're right. I pray and I want this for my own life and leadership and our church that, you know, I keep thinking about Willard's idea of the divine conspiracy. Like what is the divine conspiracy in this evil and mayhem of systemic racism? Like what, right. how could God in the chaos of the moment we're in, how could God actually turn it into a tipping point to bring about deep lasting change and healing, you know? That's yeah. Um, that's so real. You know, even with this, like, uh, I, 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 two days ago, I was feeling a bunch of things. Right. And, um, I, I started trying to figure out like, what do I do and what's my part? What's not my part. And it was like one of those moments where I just felt like the Holy spirit was reminding me of what's happening in this moment for me, at least, and maybe for my community in my city. And, and I can't get out of my heart and out of my mind. Um, there's like three different kind of layers and things that are happening right now that, that even make it more complicated when like we approach God with our lament and our grief, because, you know, on one layer, there's, there's the sin and the evil and there's the things going on in the human heart, including my own. Um, and a lot of what we're, but then second of all, there's, you know, the evil, the injustice, things like that, like in our city and in our structures, in our, in our country, in our world. Um, but even to what you were saying a second ago, I think too, there's even the evil and and the 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 evil that's in the supernatural too that's going on too and behind. And, and I'm just I'm just reminded too that I have to even pray about and kind of stay aware of all three of those different levels and things that are going on in my own yeah. heart and mind, but also in the city and the country around me. You know, processing it as a Christian, it's like this isn't just evil and injustice on a societal level. It is that. But also, like, I, I, I have to accept Jesus' worldview that there's a sin problem and there's an evil in my heart and in the hearts of other people that that we need help and we need God to, to work in and do. And also the evil around the world, like the supernatural and the demonic and things yeah. like that, that, that we can't um, neglect or forget that that's part of what we need Jesus to deal with, too, and yeah. us to join in even in prayer to see God help yes. us and, and not be blind to those things. Because yes. they have so much effect and impact on what we do and how we feel and what's going on. Yes. Yeah. Man, that's beyond a good reminder. Christian, would you um, be kind enough just to lead us in a prayer right now, however you want? Yeah. I'd love to. Um, Thank you. For those of you listening, wherever you're at, just um, I encourage you to just stop, pause, relax, be where you are, even if it's for 30 seconds. Um, Maybe it's stopping on your walk or pulling over your car just for a moment. Stop with the dishes. Just realize God's nearness, his presence. He's with you right now with us where we are separated by physical space. 
that God is so present and near. So Father, thank you. Thank you so much that you're near. You promise that you're near to the brokenhearted. You save those who are crushed in spirit. And um, I know I am in so many ways right now, and there's so many of us who are feeling that and 8,000 other things. Um, but I'm thankful that you, you, you promise to be near in those moments. You're not far from us in our pain. You move close. And so would you, would you help us recognize that? Help us to sense your nearness, God. Not as an idea, not as a theology, but as real life, like that you're there, you're the God who shows up, who's near. As we abide in you even in this moment, um, would you just remind us of how connected we are as vine branches? God, we just acknowledge like, this the ugly, the evil, the pain in our society right now. Um, problems in our country that have been going on for hundreds of years that, yeah, they've changed shape and they've changed form. Um, and we've made advances, but we're still not anywhere near where we need to be. And uh, just as a member of your people, God, we just confess our um, part of our blindness as your people to this issue in our country part of our fear of saying what we need to say and doing what we need to do. Acknowledge the pain in so many of our bodies and so many of our stories and our histories and our parents and grandparents. And say, God, we need you to step into that so badly. God, I, I ask that you would continue to, to move in the world and do what the things that you do. God, I ask that you know you would keep dealing with the sin and the evil in the human heart, the sin and the evil that's in me, the sin and the evil that we see in each of, each of us. Would you keep transforming that? Keep making us more like Jesus. God, would you please step in and help us transform our societies to look more like the kingdom of God? Would our cities really be places of justice, of reconciliation, of peace, be the things that we're really, all, all people are longing for? Would you help us be about that work in whatever way you call us to as individuals and as communities? And God, would you help us to... Um, see what's going on even behind the curtain too, to not forget that. We know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers. And so give us wisdom and direction and discretion on how to do that well, to not get caught up in the wrong battles at the wrong time, to not be passive, but really to prayerfully, thoughtfully be obedient, to see what you're doing and seeing, to see what you're up to and just to join in, to say yes to every invitation that you have for us right now. Would you give us real good ears and real good eyes just to see Jesus and to, to step into what he's doing in our cities, in our homes, and in our country? We ask for your mercy. And again, we just say, come Lord Jesus, would you come? 